time to get those bonus miles. Here's your girl, Autumn Miles. Hey, hey, guys, it's your girl, Autumn Miles. Thanks for joining me. Listen, you know I love these bonus miles. This is a bonus. It is a bonus. And y'all, I have a ch- uh, one of the pastors of one of the largest churches in America. And I, I just said this, but we, I don't know, praise God that he keeps sending us this caliber of guests to come on the show. His name is Pastor Kyle Eidelman. He is a best-selling author and the senior pastor at Southeast Christian Church, which is in Louisville, Kentucky. And you guys, it's like super, super close to my stomping ground because I grew up in Indiana. A lot of you guys know that. But he wrote, he's written several books, okay? Like we, like several books. My husband, when I found out I was having him on my show, uh, kind of fangirled or fanboyed. I don't even think that's a word, but he, he fan whatevered super hard because he wrote a book called Not a Fan a few years ago. And my husband read it, loved it. And um, Pastor Kyle Eidelman is on our show today with his latest book, one at a time. So I want to welcome him to the show. Welcome, Kyle. How are you? Hey, Autumn. Great to be with you. Doing really good. It's great to be with you. And um, I love this book, One at a Time. I It just released in January. So it's super fresh for all of you guys out there that are, you know, bookworms and you like love books. Um, I, I We don't have a lot of time. So I want to get right into the guts of what you're talking about. One at a time. Tell me, tell me what this book is about and where the concept came from. Yeah. So I know that most everyone wants to be a difference maker. They want to have some impact or influence. Like, I don't know of anyone who doesn't want that. Like, uh, no one wants to just take up space or just binge watch TV and play games and, you know, work and sleep. And like, they want to make a difference. Everyone does. And so the question is, how do we do that? Especially how do you do that if you don't feel like you've got a big platform or a radio show or a podcast or a large audience or, you know, your social media is not, uh, hasn't taken off. Like, so how do you do that in our world today? And one of the things that um, was so convicting to me as I read through the gospels with this question in mind, like, how do I make a difference? Is that Jesus primarily made a difference one person at a time, meaning that if you read through the Gospels, like most of the real estate in the Gospels is committed to just telling you about Jesus having one encounter at a time with with people. And so the conviction there and the challenge there is to say, okay, today, what are my one at a time opportunities? What are my one at a time moments? And I'm just convicted that if followers of Jesus live with that intentionality and that awareness, uh, it's what will change the world. And and so as a pastor, it's what I'm committed to. Like, I don't want to just look at how many people are coming to church and what's the attendance. Like, I want to know stories and names. I I want to celebrate one life at a time being changed. Uh, That was the focus of Jesus. And I think that should be our focus as well. It's so interesting because you 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 are the pastor of one of the largest churches in America. And so you even having this perspective, I think, is a little like, whoa, uh, because, you know, you kind of look at least you, you look at these huge churches and you think, wow, big vision, big goals, big dreams, big whatever. But what you're saying is, you know, the way you sort of get there is by affecting one single person at a time. I think and I know that our culture glamorizes the opposite. 
they glamorize the huge. They glamorize the let's go viral, which makes me want to throw up. They glamorize the um, it doesn't matter what the spirit of God is telling me. It matters what the culture or the algorithm is going to do for me. So you in this book, the reason I liked this book is because I feel like it is going to challenge that narrative. And um, I really want you to speak to that person before we get into all your other questions, because they're great. That is saying, wait a minute, how, how, why, why is one person at a time? Why can't I just do 10,000 at a time or 2000 at a time? How would, what would you say to that person to, to just challenge what they're telling themselves? Because I think the enemy has got a lot of people thinking a lot of crazy stuff right now that, um, I've got to influence all these people to change the world. Yeah. You know, I, you're tapping into the reason why I wrote this book is I know that this is how God wants to use us, but we don't always feel like we're very significant one at a time. In other words, um, there are a lot of people right now who look at their lives and they say, well, I can't really do anything. I, I don't really have that platform. I don't really have those opportunities. So, you know, somebody else will say something, somebody else will do something. But what i have seen consistently is that when you talk to someone, and I do this all the time, I'm mean, not do it as a job. I talk to people all the time whose lives are in the process of being transformed. And what I can tell you is that most all of them will tell me a one at a time story. In other words, you know, maybe a sermon of mine encouraged them, you know, maybe a podcast uh, challenge them. But when, when someone is telling you their life change story, it's usually because one person who isn't especially well known um, met them at a certain intersection and brought some courage, brought some faith, brought some prayer, brought some compassion at just the right time in their lives. And, and so if your listeners, maybe this would be a good practice, is to reverse engineer how your life has been impacted because chances are it was a maybe a teacher or it was a coach or it was a neighbor. It, it was someone who wasn't necessarily on stage with the huge crowd, but it was someone who saw you and they cared about you at a certain moment. And that moment was a, a transforming moment for you. And so Jesus just did this, uh, you know, intentionally and beautifully. If you read through the gospels, he's almost always surrounded by a crowd. The word in, in the Greek there for crowd is this um, unidentified group, a large group of people, just a lot of people with a lot yeah. of expectations. But he consistently within the crowd sees the one, the phrase Jesus saw or he saw appears 40 plus times in the gospels. He had eyes for the one, even when he was surrounded by a crowd. Um, okay, so your church practices this. And I want to talk about, at least this is what my question said, and I'm very, very interested in your answer, because when you're involved, I mean, we're, we're, we've been involved in lots of big churches, and my husband is, is involved with a huge church uh, right now, and they do this well. Um, so I'm really interested in churches that do exactly what you just said. Okay, look at your impact and kind of go backwards. Who was the one person that sort of started uh, whatever it was that got to you? How does your church put that into practice practically, because it's one thing to challenge the narrative. And then there's another, uh, there's a whole nother aspect of it where you actually live this on a daily basis. So speak to that person. That's like, I don't even understand. I just want to go viral. 
what do we do? <laughs> you know, one of the things I did with this book is I, I launched this app called the One at a Time app, just where people could share their stories of what this looks like. And I find it incredibly inspiring. Um, we started it as just for our church as a way to celebrate one life at a time stories. Uh, but it's incredible to me the way people will, when once they start praying this prayer of Jesus, help me to see people the way you see people, give me your eyes for the one. When they start praying that prayer, God answers that prayer and yeah. stories get told. So one of the ways that we do this as, as a staff though on church is, um, is we try to do for one person what we wish we could do for everyone. That's mm. the, the way we would say it. Like there's this unwritten rule in large organizations that if we can't do it for one person, we won't do it for anyone. Mm. Um, and, and pragmatically, that might make sense on paper. Sometimes that feels necessary, but it is contrary to the gospel, right? So mm. the gospel would be, we're going to do for one what we wish we could do for everyone. And, and that came to um, that came to light. A number of years ago, we had a, a young family whose uh, five-year-old daughter had uh, been battling cancer, and she got an all-clear diagnosis, and they wanted to celebrate that. And so I got an invitation from this family to go celebrate this little girl's cancer-free party, wow. but it was at a church down the road. And I'm like, well, that's interesting. Cause I knew, I mean, they're a committed part of our church. And, and so I called him, he's a buddy of mine. I called him. I said, Hey, can't wait to celebrate you with you. This is awesome. How come you're not doing it at, at uh, your church, at our church? How come you're not doing it at a church? And he said, well, you know, he was very kind. He said, well, you know, I tried to get a room reserved, but, uh, <laughs> and, and so he, he kind of told me the story where there was like this red tape and, and there wasn't a room available, you know, and I knew that the people who are in charge of our facilities, like they're awesome people who yeah. love Jesus. Like they're not against five-year-old girls who, you know, recover from cancer. Like they, right. they, I knew that, I knew that. So I went and talked to him and I said, Hey, what happened here? How did, how did that happen? And they said, well, you know, we can't, we, we couldn't do it for everyone. So we kind of have this rule in place. And, and we just began to flip that and celebrate mm -hmm. stories where we do for one person, what sometimes is really impractical and not at all um, something you could multiply, but we do it for one person. And, and that has, you know, great impact. I love I love that practical story because I've been the person that can't get the room the room reserved like I totally understand that. Um and I bet I bet that has impacted a lot of people cuz you know you do it does kind of stick out. Um this book makes changing the world so much easier. Um it makes it almost palatable where we can understand where we don't know how to I mean how do you become the pastor of one of the largest churches in America like like what's the steps to that like most people are like I don't I didn't go to Bible college I have no idea like like how to even do that how do we get a, a book deal how do you get this and a lot of people have these desires but this makes it a lot easier to um to change the world without those things. Can you encourage that heart today? And then I have a personal question I want to ask you that, that I feel like the spirit just dropped in my heart. Can you encourage that person today that is like, um, I really don't know how to do all of these things. So um, I just need some encouragement because I feel like nothing is working. Well, I'll tell you from my position, what I do as a, as a pastor and as an author what is rewarding to me, what gets me up in the morning, what's the most replenishing to my spirit and soul is 
what anyone else can do. It is the one at a time stories. It's not the checking the Amazon and seeing how well a book is doing. It's it's not how many people come to church on. That's that's not. I mean, that can be that stuff can be exciting for a moment, right? But mm. it doesn't take long for that to to wear off. It, it is the one at a time life change stories that that replenish my soul. And so I, I think you know, no matter where you're at and your you know metric for influence that that one at a time is really always available and is what allows you to to make the most difference i go back to 1956 you know 20 plus years before i was born and somebody i never met didn't know walked across the street knocked on my grandparents house uh and shared jesus with them for the first time that 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 person um, nobody would remember, right? Like maybe other than his immediate family, nobody knows who he is, but he changed my grandparents' life, which changed my dad's life, which changed my life, which, uh, it, you know, impacts my kids and impacts our church and the community. But my point is like, he didn't know when he walked over and knocked on that door, he didn't know the ripple effect that what he decided to do that day would have generations later. And, and I would just say to your listener, you don't know that either. So you pray and then you be available. And then with courage, you lean into the opportunities God gives you and you trust him with the fruit, with the harvest of that. That was exactly what I was getting ready to ask you. Wow. We're, but the spirit is speaking to you too. I was going to say, who was the one that influenced you? Because yeah. when you look, when you look at people like yourself or whatever, you're thinking who got to him? <laughs> <laughs> Who changed his life? You know, if you look, it, it's more about the time and place that you have the opportunity to speak. Like, so for me, one of the people who were was really impactful to me was an eighth grade Sunday school teacher who was an accountant. Um, and he stayed after Sunday school one day, just one conversation, but he stayed after Sunday school one day and he just said, hey, I see some things in you. I think God's going to use you in these ways. I I didn't see that in myself. Mm. He, he just took three minutes and said it to me, but it was at the right time. And, yes. you know, all these years later, that that was really impactful to me. And so, uh, you know, a Sunday school accountant teacher in the eighth grade had a had a really significant impact in my life. We got an email the other day at the ministry and it was it was so special. It was one person, one listener, and she shared her heart and I cried for two days. <laughs> Because I was like, this is not, our ministry is not just going out to this vast existence and we have no idea who these people are. Like, this is a soul, which, which represents a family, which represents a ma a marriage. And it's, it that is what you just said. I couldn't agree with more because it's it's unbelievable. I want to get your, your perspective on this. This is actually one of the questions that y'all sent us. How does, we, we touched on this a little bit, but I would like to hear your long answer on this. How does culture differ from scripture when considering influence and impact? Can you dive into uh, into that a little bit deeper? Yeah, you know, you touched on a little bit of this that we we tend to measure it by you know how many, how much, but but I would also connect it closely to compassion. Um, you, you know, compassion requires you to know someone's name, to know their story, to know something about them, to truly have compassion. You, you have to know a little bit about where they came from. So I think this is what separated Jesus. He, he, had, he had compassion. In fact, that's the most common emotion that is uh, attributed to Jesus in the Gospels is compassion, which is interesting because most of our emotions that we feel, primary emotions, are determined by what's happening in our own personal lives. Compassion is an emotion that's determined by 
what's happening to someone else in their life. And that's yeah. the most common uh, emotion that Jesus had. And, and so one of the ways that we can separate ourselves is to have what I would just call genuine compassion. It's mm. not just um, being altruistic, just doing good deeds for people because, you know, that's the uh, that's what you should do. But it's it's genuine compassion. I would say nothing deepens your compassion more than prayer, that when mm. you do a little prayer inventory, find out who you're praying for. And it tells me whether or not you've got one at a time stories to share. Mm. If you're praying for other people by name, people that you're going to encounter during the day, if you're praying through those moments and those opportunities, you're going to have them. I love that. You know, Jesus preaches so his whole life preaches so much different than our culture um, preaches. And it's so refreshing, you know, to get back into the word. One of the things you talk you talk about in the book is the fact that Jesus saw. And um, we talked about that just a little bit, but um, it, it's a, it, right in line with what you just said. He saw the need. And I think if we stop thinking about the masses and think, wow, this person like a checker at yeah. Walmart. Or a checker at Target, it looks down. I one day I leaned in and I was like, "Are you okay?" To the che- they almost broke down in the ugly cry simply because someone stopped their routine and said, "Are you okay?" You know, so um, everybody can do this. We can do this one at a time, guys. Let's stop thinking about like thousands of people because there is the this principle of stewardship here. God, once you once you steward one at a time, typically He'll give you more and more people to to minister to. Uh, Kyle, I'm going to give you the last word. What do you want readers? What do you want them to just uh, sink their teeth into after they read this book? What is your what is your mission for this book one at a time? Yeah, that's a great question because I, you know, a lot of times we'll read a book and the uh, win of that book is that I learned something, you know, or maybe I changed something. But but I really think the win of this book is can you tell me a story and can you give me a name? You know, that's mm. that's my my prayer is that that uh, everyone who reads this book could be able to share a story and, and share a name of somebody that they've prayed for and that God has given them an opportunity with. I mean, even, you know, thinking about it, even if you can't do like give someone money or, or whatever, you can always pray for that person when that, especially when the Holy Spirit lays them on your heart, that is the most tangible thing that you can do for somebody else that could actually change the world one at a time. Um, yeah, I love that. Anything else, Kyle, as we wrap up? Hey, and the last thing would be, I, I would just challenge a specific prayer. And that I referenced it earlier. But if you'll just pray, um, Jesus, give me your eyes for the one. Help me to see people one at a time. I, I, I would love to hear how God uses that because my experience is that that is a prayer that he will always answer. Yes. Amen. Kyle, where can we uh, get a hold of you and follow along with your ministry? What, where can Where can we do that? Uh, you can do that through kyleidelman.com uh, or any of the social media platforms um, should be on there as well. Awesome. Thank you so much, guys. The name of the book is One at a Time. Please get this because <laughs> we need the spirit of the living God in our culture today. We need to put uh, into practice this reaching one um, so we can impact the world, especially the state of the world in the last two years. We need lots of ministers out there doing the, the father's work. Um, so go out there, get this book, let it encourage you. Um, my guest today was Pastor Kyle Eidelman. Thank you. Thank you, Kyle, so much. 
for joining Thanks, us today. Thank you, Autumn. Thank you. All right. You can catch me next time. Next week, I'll be here. Your girl will be right back here uh, with the Autumn Miles Show. I'll see you then. To find out how you can get a copy of Gangster Prayer, Autumn's latest book, go to autumnmiles.com. <laughs>